0: Hello everyone and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, we are continuing the heavy prospect talk as I, Scott, am hosting today's show solo and I'm bringing to you the 2022 Montreal Canadiens Prospect Pyramid. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 675 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day or your first watch if you are watching on YouTube. As you can tell, my wonderful co-host is not here today. She has a family wedding, so I am solo hosting today's show and I know that is a surprising thing for a lot of people. I have not done one of these in a while, but... My thought today was I wanted to have a little bit of fun with today's show, and I know it's the middle of summer. Yes, we have talked about the Sean Monahan trade and everything else and carry price going into last week, uh, going into our Friday episode, we were able to discuss that. and We will have much more on that, I am sure, as things progress here. But uh, with the World Juniors now over, Joshua Wan, Team Canada, claimed a gold medal on Saturday night. Jan Misak and the Czechs came up short in the bronze medal game. And I believe it was, um, Pateri Nurmi and Oliver Kapanen obviously finished second for Finland, getting a silver medal in this tournament, leaving us less than a month until the rookie showcase in Buffalo, New York, here at the Harbor Center. And my thought was, I have to host an episode, not a lot going on. So, what if we talk about the Montreal Canadiens prospect pyramid? As you know, I am part of the Habs Eyes on the Prize top 25, under 25. That series is ongoing. This does not overlap with that because inside the prospect pyramid I could I put a couple of things in place besides the you know age limit. I took that prospect list that we used to decide all the votes and everything else in the top 25 under 25 and applied it to this pyramid with three notable exceptions. Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Kirby Docker all not part of this because they are NHL players already at this point. They are not prospects. There is not, they are here. They are what they are going to be. They're going to get better, obviously, but they are no longer what you could consider a prospect. And to be quite honest, I kind of struggled with putting Michael Pezzetta on here as well. He's a little bit older. He does have NHL experience. How he has a couple seasons of AHL experience and all that, but he is on this list. And, I'm going to put up a graphic on the screen here, and sorry if you're listening, I'm going to explain this is best, but it is a 5 tiered pyramid right now as we're looking at this. And tier one is an NHL star immediate impact. Tier two is a top six forward, top four defenseman potential, or soon-to-be impact player. Number three, tier three, top nine, top six D potential, starting goalie potential. Tier four, depth piece, bottom six forward, bottom pair D, and then tier five AHL tweeners and everybody else. Obviously not quite as broken up as the top 25 under 25, which is all community vote based. This was based solely on vibes and my thought. And the biggest thing for me is I look at this and I will get into the tiers in our second segment a little bit is it was very hard how to place everybody in this because there are so many prospects now Everybody else covers a big chunk of what this Canadians' prospect pool has right now because there's a lot of guys that we don't quite know yet. Take like an Adam Engstrom or an Emmett Croteau, who are just drafted that most of us have not seen them play at all at this point. Pateri, Nurmi, etc. They may be better than what their stats have shown, but right now until we see them play, it is very hard to rank some of these players versus more experienced ones. So admittedly, I haven't done a prospect pyramid in a couple of years. I used to do them when I did a video series for Eyes on the Prize. It is very hard to break everything up. And if you do want to send in your own, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. Put them in the comments below. It is very difficult to kind of put everything in here because there's a lot of potential in this Canadians organization. But the biggest thing is, and I know we're going to have some people ask, why isn't this player in tier one? NHL star immediate impact. I look at this and I go, cause I'm borrowing this from Steve Dangle of the Steve Dangle podcast network tier one, that top of the pyramid is your Austin Matthews type players that are coming in that haven't played in the NHL yet. I am talking like superstar potential immediate top NHL impact. If Caulfield and Suzuki were still in this in my own way of doing this. Yes, they would be in that top realm, But they are no longer what I would consider actual prospects in this system right now. Going into last year, had I done one of these? Yes, I would have put Cole Caulfield there without even a second thought. But Nick Suzuki, Kirby, Doc, Cole Caulfield are not in that. And beyond that, there are a lot of really good pieces. And it's a lot of potential. But there is no guarantee. And for full disclosure, because we will talk about Slavkovsky here in a little bit. Shane Wright would not have made that top tier either. I think Shane Wright is going to be a very good NHL player. I do not think he would be superstar. I'm talking like immediate. We're talking Hart Trophy, Rocket Richard, caliber player. The Canadians do not have one of those yet. Do I think that they have guys who could grow into a star in these positions? I absolutely do. And admittedly, I have not seen all these prospects play as much as I would like to. A lot of my focus is centered on... North America, the AHL, guys in the CHL, the NCAA and such. I don't have the same breadth of knowledge of seeing guys that play in Europe, in all of the other leagues there. I follow people who do, and that is why they are guests on this show quite frequently. I am very excited to kind of break this down just because I haven't done something like this in a while, and it is such an interesting concept. Because it's you, you learn a lot about your cognitive biases. And admittedly, like I said, I know a lot more about the guys playing in North America and such. We're going to dive into tiers one and two and my reasoning behind those all coming up in our next segment. But first, you're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks, and a few becomes a few too many. and evening comes to an end and people start to head out, and you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are uh, tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. And that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Remember to drive sober or get pulled over. We are back. It is the Montreal Canadiens' prospect pyramid with me i am scott mettle i am one of your hosts i am solo hosting today the active stick we'll be back for wednesday when you're going to touch on the mailbag questions or anything else that comes in so i'm going to put up this chart again and for those listening i am going to describe it we will tweet this chart out on the locked on canadians account as well as we said tier one is nhl star immediate impact a connor mcdavid type player and as you can see we have the Dinkelberg meme here because this is where I would put one if I had one. We do not have that type of player right now. That does not mean I do not think that there are members of the Montreal Canadiens organization who could easily become that. I look at this draft class that they just had, and they swung big on high-impact players. Guys like Lane Hudson, a Uri Slefkovsky, even Philip Meshar all the talent is there to truly become a high-end impact player, but they are not a guarantee. Nothing is truly guaranteed in this, but you look at a Matthews, a McDavid, a Crosby, et cetera, who come into the league, they are, you can tell that they're going to be there. And that's what that top tier is reserved for right now. I, do, I don't think it's an issue that the Canadians don't have someone there right now. A lot of teams do not. And I look at Montreal's approach to this and going, we want as many cracks at the prospect ball as we can get. And they have done that very well in the last couple of drafts, dating back to when Mark Bergman was here instead of acquiring uh, more second and third round draft picks and just collecting everything. Them giving themselves as many chances at other pieces to build a very solid, well-rounded lineup instead of one with very top end, very low end, and it's top heavy, kind of like we've seen in Toronto a little bit. I think is a very fair way to do it. It's not perfect and there's no guarantees, but I'm not opposed to it. And then we switch into our tier two here. And as I look at tier two, I have three names in there right now. Yura Slavkovsky, Caden Gooley, and Justin Barron. And I know, I know, we might think, ah, Slavkovsky has all this talent in the world. I do not think he's here yet, but I do think he is a very much, or has the potential to be a huge top six piece for this Canadians team going forward. He has the tools. He has the confidence. He has the physical gifts. He's gigantic. If you saw the photos of him at the CF Montreal game uh, with Jack, I with Gouli, with Mayshar, he's a giant, giant Slovak murder child. And I cannot wait to see what he does because he's played against men already. He's been doing that in the Slovak league. He did that in the Olympics He did that at the World Championships, and then obviously in World Juniors where he played in his own, I guess, weight class is the way to put it. He's still thriving. Yeah, his numbers in Liga look a little bit rough, but the potential is there for him that if he develops and with the Canadian placing an emphasis on player development, he's going to become a potential monster. He's not going to be an Eric Lindros or anything like that, I don't think. But I think if you took Joel Armia and gave him maybe a little bit more confidence to use his gifts. You have a guy who could be 20, 20 goals, 20 assists, 25 goals, maybe depending on how much he's developed the skating. All the gifts are there and all the tools are there to make him just an absolute monster on the ice. I'm excited to see him at the rookie showcase because I know all eyes are going to be on him for good reason. Look at him. You're not gonna be able to miss him out there. And then Caden Gooley is thought to be the potential savior of this defensive group. I, I love so much of what he's done. And Laura and I and on this show have talked about how Caden Gooley has come from. He's safe to one of the best defensive prospects in any league in North America. He plays a mean physical style, but he's not that old school kind of player where he's out of position. He covers ground really well. He's confident. He hits like a truck. He can jump into the play. He's so versatile that it's hard to not be a big fan of what he does. And I don't know where he's going to place at the NHL. His offense was never going to be the selling point for him. It never was meant to be. He's meant to be a positionally sound, smart player. And that's something that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and now Martin St. Louis coach have begun to value more is that players who think the game really well. And you'll see that in our next tier of prospects a little bit here. And then on that is Justin Barron, who was acquired for Arturi Leck and at the trade deadline last year. We only briefly got to see what Barron was capable of. And then an ankle injury ended his season. Unfortunately, I think he would have been a huge ad for the Laval rocket in the AHL playoffs. and would have been exactly what that team needed to kind of get over the hump. All due respect to the guys who did get them to the Eastern conference final Justin Barron would have changed that. And a lot like Caden Gooley is he's smart. He thinks the game and he's not reactive. He's proactive in an approach to things and he's still growing. And I look at this Canadian's defensive group, and no matter what, some of these names are going to be playing in the ro- for the Rocket next year. And that's not a bad thing because they're going to get all the time in the world. And Justin Barron is the one that I'm most excited about. I don't think he's going to magically turn into a top-pairing defenseman overnight. I do think in a couple years' time, as he develops and grows into his game and gets more confident at the NHL level, a Jeff Petrie light might not be the worst thing in the world for him. I don't know if he's going to be asked to play as much or the minutes that Petrie played as they try and balance out the defense. But I think he's got the smarts, the skating style, and the offensive prowess to become – a a solid top four piece for this team. And this is where that struggle becomes, because a lot of people love Caden Gooley. I like Caden Gooley a lot. They are not a slam dunk. They are not a Quinn Hughes. They are not a Kale McCarr where they are coming in and they, you know, they are instantly going to be an impact NHL player. There's going to be some bumps in the road here. There's going to be some struggles. That's just part of players growing up in this. And I'm very curious to see what this year shakes out because you have guys like Jordan Harris and Matthias Norlinder who are around You have an Arbor Jack Eye. And we're going to get into so many of those other players all coming up in our next segment. We are back. It is our final segment of the Habs Prospect Pyramid. I'm going to put it up on screen here again for you all to take a look. We've gone over the top three tiers at this, or the top two pi- tiers at this point, I should say. And we're on to tiers three and tiers four, and then tier five, which is everybody else. Tier three is where things get difficult because the Canadians have a lot of guys who fall into this based on their potential to make the NHL or where or what kind of player they can be. I have Jesse Alonen, Philip Mashar, Matthias Norlinder, Jordan Harris, Caden Primo, Joshua Waugh, Lane Hudson, Sean Farrell, and Owen Beck in this category. There's a lot of offensive talent. There's a lot of smart players in here. And then the first goalie on the list as well, obviously, in Caden Primo. I do think Caden Primo can be an NHL starting goalie. His run in the AHL playoffs last year, I think, insulates him enough and pushes him back into this. He wasn't bad during the regular season, but he was yo-yoed between the Habs and the AHL, and he struggled until he was able to take the net for himself while Kevin Poulin was the starter in Laval when – Kate Brimo is getting shelled underneath Dominique Ducharme. And I look at guys like Yalonen Meshar, Wah, Farrell, who are all high-end, smart offensive talents. They make plays happen because they have so much skill, and they could be breakout top six players in the right role or in a third-line exploitation kind of role. And you know, we've had Matt Drake on show. We've had other people. He loves Joshua Wah. I'm coming around on that. I want to see what he does this year. I don't think he's going to crack the NHL roster. There's just too many bodies, and he can't go to the AHL. So I think the next thing is what can he do in the QMJHL this year to take that next step? Because if he lights it up again, talking 100 points plus again, he's going to move up into that second tier, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to not do that. And the same goes for Sean Farrell. Sean Farrell had a really strong USHL season, what was supposed to be his freshman year at Harvard. COVID wiped that out. He got to Harvard and had an extremely good season there. He's so smart. He reads plays really well, and he's not big. He's not an overly large player, a lot like Philip Mayshar is, but they use their smarts to find the right areas of the ice to be in and make things happen, and Owen Beck is on here because I think he's probably, outside of Gooley and on this list, is the safest bet to probably make the NHL in the future. Will it be exciting? Potentially No. Do I think he's a very smart player? We talked with Lauren Kelly about him. We've talked with some other scouting people. Everybody loves Owen Beck a lot. He's smart. He reads the play well. And he just knows where to be. And he's only played one OHL season. COVID wiped out one of them. He has room to grow with Mississauga this season. And I think he's going to do just that. I think he's going to turn a lot of heads. We look at a guy like Ty Dell'Andrea, who was drafted by the Dallas Stars, he had a very strong OHL season, a Connor McMichael type, where they were smart and were able to use their smarts and ability to find the best areas on the ice. And to shift from this, we have two defensemen in here, and I or three defensemen, I should say. And Jordan Harris being in this third tier, I think is going to ruffle a little bit of feathers. And I say it as this, Jordan Harris is a stable NHL defenseman. He will not be flashy. He will not make crazy plays end-to-end. But he's going to put himself in the best position defensively, offensively. He knows where to be. He knows how to make a breakout pass. He's only played a handful of NHL games at this point. But what I saw at Northeastern is a guy who can skate, a guy who knows how to lead on the ice as a captain and just knows what he needs to do to help this team succeed. I think a bottom three defenseman out of that, a four, five, or six, is his you know peak ceiling, and that's not awful. I think he has the smarts to be more. His positioning will get him more minutes. Matthias Norlinder is a very interesting question. European uh, media have talked about how he's been training with NHLers. He's gotten bigger. He's worked on so much else. He is a guy to keep an eye on. He might start the season in the well. He might start the season as the Habs' sixth defenseman. We don't know. He battled through a lot of injuries last year, including a concussion in the playoffs where he was playing. Quite well for the Rocket until a goon cheap shot at him at the end of a blowout game, and that's that. And then Lane Hudson. Uh, you you know in this podcast, we love our short king, Lane Hudson. Arguably the most dynamic defensive prospect the Habs have had since, I don't want to say Nathan Beaulieu, but Nathan Beaulieu was a very good QMJHL prospect. He might be the most exciting high-ceiling pick on defense since P.K. Subban. And I don't think it's a stretch. He has all the talent to make that happen. It's just his size might hold him back. But as we've seen, that doesn't stop Quinn Hughes. Didn't stop Victor Mente from making the Canadians rightly or wrongly in that regard. So that third tier is these are guys that are likely to shoot up in the next year because they are in their prime growing season, so to speak. And now into tier four, where I know there's going to be a lot of debate here because there's a lot of names people like, myself included, and there's flashes, but there needs to be growing. And right now, in that tier, there's Rafael Harvey Pinard, Riley Kidney, Jan Mishak, Luke Tuck, Tyson Melanik, Michael Pozzetta, who I think we could probably actually remove from this list. I put him in there because he didn't have a full NHL season, but he mostly had a full, in- anyways. Logan Mayu, Arbor Jackeye, Jaden Struble, Vincennes Rohr, uh, Emil Emile Heinemann, Frederick D show, Jakob Dobish, and Oliver Kapanen. The two goalies. I'm very excited about D show is now playing at Frolunda. Lunda. Jakob Dobish was one of the best goalies in the NCAA last year. There is a lot of potential for the Habs to find two potential starters or one, a one B's in those guys right there in this tier. I am not a goalie whisper. I am not a goalie analyst. I don't always know everything. I think they, they have the potential to also rocket up this. they have a str- especially D show. If he has a strong showing in the SHL with Frolunda that Habs fans should be drooling. That's not an easy league to play in as a young goaltender. And he was playing in the Danish league where we could not find footage of this kid on his draft day. The only thing I think was tweeted out by like his father making a save in like a practice or an intrasquad squad game. And here he is now. In terms of the Harvey, Pinard, Kidney, Tux melantic I love Raphael Harvey, Pinard a lot. I think everyone on this podcast knows that. His his skill set is low ceiling, high floor. He will make the NHL. He will be a Montreal Canadian before long because he hustles, he doesn't quit, and he knows where he needs to be on the ice. But he lacks some of the high end skill of someone like a Mayshaw or a Wah. He can score goals. He can score from distance and on his backhand. But he cannot always beat someone one on one. He doesn't always have that same talent. And Jan Mieschak is someone I think after this tournament who I am very intrigued at their AHL season this year, he has a lot of room to grow. Some people are like, he should have been better this year. He got demoted a line in the OHL because Mason McTavish came in and then he was on a line with him and then taken off that line and this and that. I do not think he is a center at the professional level. I think he will be a winger. I think it will be a reliable winger. It's the same thing with Riley kidney is that, Kidney got a lot of his money on the power play in the QMJHL, a high scoring league. He has to follow that up now with another very strong year. He's going to be need to be a leader on the T-tone and a Katie Bathurst to make that work. And then Luke Tuck and Ty Smolannik are two names that I look at this and I go, Tuck has all the physical gifts, but the health hasn't been there. And the form hasn't been there to borrow a term from soccer is he had a really strong stretch for a couple of games. And then he went goalless, I believe for like 13 games or something. That's a tough pill to swallow for a guy who was drafted ahead of Jan Mieschek, who was leading the checks in goals in this tournament, the under 20 tournament here. And Tyson Milank is someone who I think a lot of Habs fans will expect to see in a Canadians or rocket uniform at the end of this season. He's going into his third year of NCAA eligibility. He is transferred to the university of Wisconsin under Tony Granato Tony Granato, Don Don Granato is in Buffalo, and he's got speed. He's got tenacity. He wanted more ice time than he was getting at Quinnipiac, so he transferred to Wisconsin where he's going to get that, and now it's put up or shut up kind of time here. And for the defensemen, there's Mayu, Jack Eye, Struble, and Roar. Or not Roar. Roar is a forward. I am sorry about that. I have so many names listed in front of me. I am doing my best to try and put all this together for you. I look at their names here and I go, you has physical gifts. He has that physical play that people like. And I understand in a hockey sense why Mark Bergevin thought it was a good idea. Everything else about it was terrible. I still think he should not have been picked, even if for everything else going on, and that's how I'm going to leave that. But he's only played 12 games this year or in the last 18 months. And he got injured again. And he doesn't have every scout we've talked to says, yeah, the physical gifts are there. The hockey IQ is lacking a little bit to be a defenseman who likes to play an aggressive style. You have to have the hockey IQ to match where you need to be. It's why someone like Jordan Harris is so successful is they aren't the most aggressive because they pick and choose their spots. Arbor Jack falls into that same realm where he is a physical monster one of the meanest players in the OHL, one of the scariest guys in the OHL to play against. He's got to rein in some of the extracurriculars or he's going to be off the ice more than he's on it and he isn't going to get a chance to develop. He's someone that the AHL is going to be a test. I look at, and I've said this before, and people got mad that Jared Nordy in the AHL to try and keep his ice time under a previous regime that was bad at player development, Engage in nothing but physical fights and this and that. Jacki has very good talent. He can rush with the puck. He can skate. He can hit. He can obviously fight. He can handle himself in the defensive zone. If he can get his positioning and his timing down where he doesn't always put himself out of position going for a hit, he's going to be a fearsome defender. And I think J.F. Hul and the Rocket coaching staff are going to love that. Uh, I look at Roar here. I look at Heinemann. I look at Kapanen. There's potential there. Roar is someone that Tony Ferrari loves. He's a very – he's an Owen Beck type smart player. I'd like to see more offense from him. He did lead the Ottawa 67s in scoring last year. He outscored Tyler Boucher, who was older than he is and was drafted 10th overall, lest you forget. And Heinemann is someone that is already back in Europe. He uh, it was NHL or Europe for him, and that's fine. If he doesn't want to play in the AHL and wants to play in the men's league uh, in Europe closer to home – Totally understand because I don't think he would crack the Habs roster right now. And then the everybody else tier, this is your Engstroms, your Nermies, your Courtois, your Blake Biondi's. Guys that feel like long shots just because there isn't enough to go on or we haven't seen enough yet. And you can easily climb out of that everybody else tier very quickly. I think Blake Biondi will be out of that tier next year. He had a very strong year at Minnesota Duluth. And I think he's gonna climb out of there. A lot of these guys, though, it's they might just be an AHL tweener, they might be an AHL star, the the with the uh, quadruple A players, like a Charles Soudan or a uh Chris Terry, like they can light up the AHL at the NHL. They might put up a couple of goals here or there, but that's about their ceiling. I I had a lot of fun coming up with this. It's also very stressful because the Canadians prospect pool depth has so many pieces into it, but it lacks that superstar talent. Now that Caulfield is out of the NCAA and is a regular player, they're waiting on that guy to become that budding true superstar. And I think Slavkovsky can be that guy if he develops properly and is treated properly. And I think this Canadian's organization will do that for him. But... I guess we have to wait and see. Uh, the rookie tournament is less than a month away. That kicks off September 14th, I believe, at the Harbor Center in Buffalo. Take it should be dirt cheap if you're in the area and want to go. I'm hoping to get credential to cover that. Uh, if you see me there, say hi. Don't be weird. Uh, as always, if you want to follow us, we are on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. We want to see your prospect pyramids. Tell me why I was wrong. Nicely, please. I am a very I, I tried my best to try and keep this all together and throw something together for y'all. So send us your prospect pyramids at LO underscore Canadians in the comments here on YouTube. We'll look some of those over, talk about some of those on another episode. My co-host is not here, but you can follow her at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. Please make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. We really, really appreciate that. When you're done checking us out, please check out Lockdown NHL. All of our local experts have you up to date on all the goings on around the NHL and elsewhere. And we will see you all next time.